From our family to your family, this is A Legacy of Faith, the podcast. Welcome to A Legacy of Faith, the podcast designed to help your family survive the day, plan for tomorrow, and always keep an eye on eternity. We are glad to be back with you again this week as we continue our thoughts for the month of March, thinking about the relationship between the church and the family. Two weeks ago, Leah and I were together and we thought about what churches can do to help families, and it's good to be back with Leah again this week, or it's not. Uh, Leah could not be with me this week. We were planning on recording. We had our time set aside to record, and just a few minutes before we were supposed to record, one of our children got sick, and so Leah needed to be a mommy, and uh, we put off the recording until it was just a situation where I'm having to do this one solo. I don't like that because I know that uh, she is such a big part of the program and does such a great job helping me, and I know you don't like that as much because, well, she's a lot better at this than I am, and uh, we enjoy the just going back and forth and just having a conversation with you, but there was just almost no way around this where it has to be just me uh, this week. We hope you understand that. She was really upset because this uh, program we're doing this week was one she had really been looking forward to recording, but there was just no way uh, that we could do do it, or at least I shouldn't say no way, but <laughs> very few ways where we could have recorded together uh, with, that, with that happening. So we apologize, but uh, this is a family program, and sometimes those kind of things happen in families, and we hope you understand, and hope you can put up with me uh, doing one of these longer format programs by myself uh, this week. Two weeks ago, as I said, we talked about what the church can do for families. And we've got a lot of good feedback from that program, and we appreciate it very much. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can hear a program like that and hear all the good things that a congregation, a church, can do for a family. And then the uh, the reaction can be, all right, well, then church, go ahead and raise my kid for me. Well, of course, there are so many things that a family can do for a church as well. A family needs to support the work of the church in a lot of ways. And with the importance of raising our children, We understand the church plays a vital role in that, but obviously, obviously, God places children with mothers and fathers to raise, to grow, and uh, we want to understand that role as well. And So a lot of what we're going to talk about in this week's program uh, are things that simply just need to be done in the home, but you may have never thought about them from the angle that if these things are done, they are really helping to support the work of the church. We have several we're going to list this week and think about for a few moments each, and I hope that these encourage you as families to keep doing things that are right, but also just to notice that emphasis on doing those things that are right and it being a way that you are supporting the work of the local congregation, the local church. Number one, the family can help the church by teaching and showing proper respect for authority. By teaching and showing proper respect for authority. And we speak about children in our homes We often talk about one of their primary roles, if you please, is a respect and an honor for their parents. They're the ones in authority. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. Ephesians chapter 6, the first couple of verses. In fact, verses 1 through 3. But I think we need to notice that one of the main reasons why that's the case, why that honor needs to be there, is because it's instilling in our children and young people what it really means to respect authority. And when that occurs, we are really teaching our children to respect the highest of all authorities, and that, of course, is God. 
And we also understand that when we teach them to respect authority, we're teaching to teaching them to respect the authority of Jesus, who is the head of the church. And here is how, then, it shows a way in which families are supporting the work of the church. You see, Jesus is the head of the church. Both the book of Colossians and Ephesians speak to that. And we understand that he is the one in ultimate authority. He himself said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And so when we teach our children to respect authority, we're going to be teaching them to respect the authority of God and of Christ as the head of the church. But also we understand that within each local congregation, if it is organized in the way God would have it, as Christ would have it, that there are elders who are over each congregation. And we are commanded as Christians in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 to obey them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And in the context, he's speaking about the leaders of the local church, the elders of the local church. I wonder if some of our problems in local congregations aren't because we haven't taught children to respect authority. And so then as they grow and become young adults and later adults, they don't they don't respect the elders. They don't really respect Christ. They may go to church. They may show up just because it's tradition, but there's no real respect there. And so we are supporting the work of the church when we teach our children to respect authority. And we show that in our lives. We respect authority as well by respecting our, our local congregation, by respecting our government, by, by respecting uh, police officers and others who are in authority. We need to make sure we teach and show that in our lives. Number two, what can families do to help the church? They can maintain proper discipline. They can maintain proper discipline. Uh, it's hard to discipline our children, especially when it, that discipline is in a negative way or a very correcting way. I'm sure we're going to have programs in the future that deal more specifically with that, but we need to understand that that is a role of parents in the home. But in teaching proper discipline, we are also teaching a respect for the church. We, we are showing a way in which the families help the church because we are helping our children see that there are boundaries that cannot be crossed. You know, We have freedom in Christ, and for that we are so very thankful. But no one has full freedom. Oh, God has given us the choice to do whatever we want to do in our lives. We can, we can choose to do anything we would like, but no one really has full freedom. I heard a sermon. In fact, as I'm recording this, I actually heard it just early this morning. Uh, as, as I was listening to, and the, the preacher was saying that, how would you like to go to a doctor who did not think there were any rules whatsoever? Well, I don't. I wouldn't want to go to that doctor for sure. You go in with a, a sore knee and come out, you know, miss, missing part of your body because he decides, hey, it's just up to me, and I can take off whatever I want to, or I can I can treat whatever I want to. We understand there are rules to follow. We need to make sure we show that to our children by having proper discipline. That helps them see that yes, there are rules to follow. We have freedom in Christ. That's wonderful. But there are still boundaries that need not be crossed. We are supporting the work of the church when we show them those proper boundaries and teach them that through proper discipline. Number three, families help the church by teaching and maintaining proper priorities. Probably one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible is found in Matthew 6 and verse 33. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then Jesus said, And all these things, that is, the things we need in this life, like food and clothing, all these things will be added to you. Paul told Christians to set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. And to put it very simply, we need more families that teach that and live that out in their home. And sometimes people hear that and they think, well, we go to church. Oh, that's wonderful. And I hope you never stop doing that. I hope you never see the see that going to church is no big deal. It is a big deal that we, we go to church, that we go to worship. But I want to ask, is God always first? 
Do we always seek God first? Not just on Sunday morning for an hour or so, but is everything oriented to where God and the priority of, of, the, of the church and of Christ comes first? There are too many families that put other things first when it comes to areas that we think, well, that's just our own time or that's just our own priority. Let me give you a few examples, and I'm not meaning here to step on any toes. I'm just I'm saying these things to help us help us all think, including myself as as a parent and us as a family. Is it important that our children get an education? Oh, absolutely. We we are very huge about that. We're we're big readers around our our home, and yes, we homeschool our children, but we we support families that send their kids to public school and private school. We want kids to get a great education. We want our children, hopefully, one day to to go to college and to get as good of an education as they possibly can. But let me just ask. Do we put things like scholarships ahead of our children's spiritual growth? Now, see, that may step on a few toes. Oh, but it's so expensive to send our kids to college. We want them to get scholarships. Oh, we do too. We want our children to get scholarships. Absolutely. We can't write a check for private school or public school uh, college when it, when it comes to that. We, we can't do that. But I would much rather have a little bit of student loan debt. I would much rather have to take on a second job and my children be oriented toward heaven than to take away time from them growing towards God and them getting a huge scholarship. Do we put the vacation before the Bible school? Sometimes we plan our life and then the church just has to figure its way around those things. I'm not saying churches should do a million things, just go back to two programs and go, and you understand, we, we, we say churches should simplify as much as possible so families have time to be families. But if your congregation only has a couple of big events a year and you intentionally plan your vacation on that week, notice I said that intentionally. Sometimes we can't, we can't help those things. But that's an amazing statement that maybe some other things come before God and before the work of the church. Do you put gold ahead of God? In other words, money ahead of God. And we could just go on and on and on. You see, our children notice. Our children notice. They notice where our emphasis are. They notice what we place our priorities on. We need to make sure they always, always see that God comes first. I know a young lady who loved playing a couple of sports in high school. And while she wasn't going to get a college scholarship, she wasn't that great of an athlete. She still was good enough to start on teams that were quite good uh, at, at the level of, of school in which she was. But every year she played, one of the tournament games in which she was was involved was on Wednesday night. And so every year her parents would pull her off the court. It was a volleyball court in the middle of those games. Why? Well, because there was Bible class going on. Those Bible classes were very important. And by the way... I married that girl. That's Leah. Her family instilled in her that the church comes first. And that's one of the reasons I believe that she wanted to be on this program this week and just couldn't because this is so close to her heart that families are supporting the church by showing those proper priorities. Are we doing that, families? You're supporting the work of the church when you really show and really live proper priorities. Number four, and I'll move through this one quickly, but it's very important that we teach our children to grow in a love for the local congregation. To grow in a love for the local congregation. As I said, we're just going to touch on this point briefly, but we need to instill within our children a love, yes, for the church universal, meaning Christians around the world, but also for our local congregation. If you have a good congregation where, where you worship, be very thankful for that. 
but sometimes a lot of families, even in good congregations, nitpick every last little thing that just doesn't seem to go their way or that they think should be done in a different way. There is no such thing as a perfect congregation because it's made up of people. We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to do things as efficiently as we should, and some things may rub people the wrong way. But are we constantly just bickering about the Bible school classes and maybe the teacher should have done this the another way? Or, I've, I've joked from the pulpit, and I'm only partially joking, that sometimes for lunch every Sunday— all we have is roasted elder and boiled preacher. Our children only see what's wrong. We're not instilling in them a love of the local congregation if all we're doing is bickering and complaining all the time. It's okay to express concern. I'm not saying we should just be Pollyanna-ish and say everything is okay. But we need to show our children that this local congregation is a good place. It has good people. And are there some problems? Yes, but with God's help and with the work of the good people, we're going to work through them. Everything's going to be okay. Instill with them a love of local congregation so that when they grow up, they go away to college or maybe they move off, they'll want to find a good, solid congregation to be a part of, that they can love and be a part of uh, for their life and for if they're blessed with children, for their children. Number five, families can help the church by teaching and showing basic concepts of stewardship. Now, this is not a podcast about finances, or at least this episode is not about finances, but there's something to be said for teaching in our homes the value of a dollar, but that also that God has provided that dollar. In other words, that God is head over all things, that God owns it all. How many teenagers in our homes have jobs but never give anything to the Lord? Oh, but they only make a few dollars a week. That's okay. That's all right. They can give from what they do make. I'm not saying they have to give everything they make. They, they need to learn to, to spend money. One of our previous programs, Lee and I talked about the book Smart Money, Smart Kids, and one of the things that book talks about is teaching your children to spend. That's that's part of life is to spend money, but spend it wisely, and, and to invest or save, but also they need to learn to give. But sometimes our children, our teenagers who have jobs, uh, don't give because they've never really seen their parents give. As, as your children grow and mature, we need to make sure our children are involved in those conversations in some way. You don't have to tell them what you make. I'm not saying that. But they need to be involved in the conversations, such things as God owns everything. Everything that we have, our house, our car, our clothes, everything. God owns it all. And we're going to be diligent in making sure that we use it to His glory. We need to teach our children that God gives to us as stewards, that we we own it in a certain way. In other words, it's our name is on it, but it's really a blessing from God that we're to manage for Him. Even our house, even our car, even our bank account. We need to teach them that we're to be faithful stewards. How many families spend thousands of dollars on a vacation and drop a $5 bill in the plate on Sunday morning? I'm not saying that it's wrong to go on a big vacation. In fact, as I'm recording this, I'm looking forward to going on vacation even in just a few days. I'm really excited about that, and we're going to spend some money. But we're not being faithful stewards if we just give a tiny little amount so we can spend everything else on fun stuff all the time. And we need to teach our children also that one day we will give an account. We'll give an account for how we have used even our finances. In the home is where those lessons are taught. And you're supporting the church because the church survives financially on contributions. Now, the church survives because Christ allows it to. But as far as the inner workings of the church, as far as making sure missionaries are supported, as far as making sure that programs can be run and your children can have Bible school materials, those things are done by money. And we need to make sure we teach our children how to be faithful stewards, to give liberally, to give sacrificially to the work of the church, and really, ultimately, to the Lord. Number six, families can help the church by cultivating the appreciation for true worship. Now, this may sound a little odd because we're talking about worship and we're talking about the family, 
Well, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, that's, that's a wonderful thing, right? John four twenty four. Jesus said that. But do we reinforce that at home? Do we reinforce that appreciation for true worship in our home? We can do that in a few different ways. The most obvious is family devotionals or family Bible time, and we've had podcasts on that before, and I'm sure, as we said, we will again. That's something we, we love and we're very uh, dedicated to helping families with. That's a way to appreciate worship. You can do that uh, in having just simply worship services in your family devotionals. In other words, just sit down and sing a couple of songs and have a prayer, maybe a short devotional lesson. and So you're sort of having, if you please, a mini worship service. But also, you're cultivating real worship because you can have devotionals about worship. Simply take one of the uh, acts of worship and show how it can be, uh, how we can improve that, how we can do it well and do it to God's glory. Again, we've had a podcast on that before, but that's something we can do. Also, we can appreciate a growing appreciation for true worship by preparing for worship. Uh, let's just see if this sounds familiar. It's Sunday morning, and you're stressed because you stayed up a bit too late on Saturday night. It caused you to be tired, and now you're trying to throw down some breakfast while the kids are upstairs making another mess, and you just know you're going to be the ones who walk in between songs. Everyone's going to look at you. You're going to be a little embarrassed, and so your blood pressure gets higher. And Does that sound like your house? It sounds like a lot of houses, doesn't it? How about we make sure that we're teaching that worship service is something we prepared for? Now, Every Sunday morning is not going to flow flow like a great symphony. That's not going to happen, especially when there are children involved. But we can do certain things to help at least our minds be ready for worship. Maybe it's playing a CD of worship songs or uh, streaming some music of worship songs while we get ready. Maybe it's a short reading from God's Word on Saturday night around the dinner table or before we go to bed to prepare our minds for worship. Maybe it's simply making sure that Saturday night is a night that we're going to protect before we go to bed at a decent hour so that we get a decent night's sleep and our minds are prepared to worship. Maybe it's even simply just a prayer at breakfast where we pray that we're going to be grateful for the time we have to worship. It could be all of those things or any combination of them or many others you could think of, but do something. Do something to help your children understand that worship is something that we look forward to. We're cultivating an appreciation for true worship, and that helps the local congregation because worship is at the center. It is the the lifeblood in many ways of the local congregation. Now, those are six ways, six ways that families can help the church. Well, let me ask before we close this podcast, why don't we do it? And you may say, well, we do, and I hope you do. But I'm saying we as in culturally or at least by a broad stroke. Why, why don't we do it? There are a lot of reasons, a lot of specific reasons, but let me give you just two that are very common. Number one, some might say it's just too hard. If you think about the six things we've talked about, that's a lot of things to do. It's it's a lot of work. And that's exactly right. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Nobody said parenting was easy. But may I suggest that if it becomes a way of life for you, it's going to get a little bit easier and a little bit easier as time goes on because you're going to want to pass these things along to your children. You know, God told those in the book of Deuteronomy to pass along the laws of God at all times. You can go back and read Deuteronomy 6 and be reminded of that. We don't have that as a specific command today. That's under the Old Testament law. But can you imagine any better way to spend our time as parents than by passing along the great truths of God's words in the next generation? You know, I love playing with my kids. I like reading with my kids. And all those things are fantastic, and they're needed. We're building memories. But there's nothing more important, absolutely nothing more important, than taking the time to help them memorize some Bible verses or the books of the Bible or singing a few great hymns. That's what's important. It's hard. We're not saying it isn't hard. 
but it's not too hard. Why don't we do it? Some people say it's too hard. But I think even more than that, why don't we do it? It's because we're too busy doing our own thing. We're too busy doing our own thing. When we boil down the problem, I really think, and I'm going to use a word here that may sound harsh, and I don't mean it to be. I just mean it to be blunt and straightforward. I really think the problem is selfishness. We love our kids. We love our families. But I want to do my own thing. We want a bigger, better house. We want nicer cars. We work like dogs at our jobs so we can have some nice things that that we like instead of providing what's really ultimately important to our children. There are different statistics that, are, that show it different ways. The average American father spends somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half minutes devoted to his, chi- his child or children per week. Per week. Now, we cannot have faithful families built on less than ten minutes a week. Some people say, yeah, but if I stop doing all the extra projects and stop staying late to get more done, I might not get the promotion, I might not get the raise, and so I have to work more. Folks, we're not just talking about work. Work's important. But let me ask, is that promotion, is that raise more important than your family's spiritual well-being? Well, providing for your family is very important. And men, if you're, you're the breadwinner, or ladies, if you help bring, bring home the bread, if you please, we're, we're proud of you. It's great. It's wonderful. It's needed. But what's really important? What's really important? What's really important is making sure that we're not so selfish that we're really doing these things so that we look better to other people. And instead, we're building up the spiritual lives of our children. We need to learn to simply say, we can survive, we can make it with a few less things, but we can't make it without God. The same is true in the world of recreation. Instead of just our jobs, sometimes we want to do our own thing because I just want to be free to do what I want to do all the time. Brother Wendy Winkler, who I mentioned when Lee was with me a couple weeks ago, is kind of the inspiration for these two programs. He used to have a saying, he said, sometimes we're more concerned with our golf swing than with our offspring. Well, that may come, maybe become an old-fashioned way of saying it, but boy, does it get the point across. How much time do we spend just doing fun, recreational things that I want to do versus the amount of time we spend investing in the life, the spiritual life of our children. Now, again, I'm not saying you should never have fun. Enjoy watching a television show or going out and playing golf or working in the garden or or playing basketball or sewing or whatever it is you like to do. Enjoy those things. That's, that's great. That's, that's a part of the, the spice and the variety of life that makes things wonderful and we enjoy. And Again, enjoy those things. But how much time we spend doing that versus how much time we spend really investing in our children and ultimately to our children's spiritual growth. You've heard it said many times that to a child, love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's also the only way to raise a generation that will help the local church grow to be all that local church can be is by T-I-M-E. I know this podcast this week has included some things that were kind of hard to say, to be honest with you, maybe a little bit hard to hear. They may have hit a little closer to home than some things we talk about on, on A Legacy of Faith, but there were some things that I think needed to be said. One reason I know that is there are some things I needed to hear. Just because I'm sitting behind a microphone doesn't mean that I don't need these things. I get busy, too. I get times where I want to do my own thing, too. And I look at that list of six things we talked about that we need to instill in our children, and sometimes I think, you know what, we've got two or three of them pretty good, but we're not doing so great over here. There's always improvement to be made. And I hope this has not been discouraging to you. I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope it's lit a fire in you to want to make sure that you're reaching out to your children and teaching them the most important things, but also that when you do that, you're really supporting the church. Our children, if they're not yet Christians, are the church of the future. 
If you have children who are Christians, they're the church now. And so by instilling in your children these important things, you are supporting the church because you're either helping a, ch- a Christian grow in his or her faith, or you're helping a young, young child who will be a Christian come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and the expectations of what it means to be a Christian. Remember what Jesus said, that no one would ever build a tower without first counting the cost. When we help our children see these responsibilities of being a Christian, we're helping them count the cost. We're helping helping them to see it's a great, great life to be a Christian, but there are responsibilities with it, and we need to take it very, very seriously. But parents, first of all, you and I need to take it very, very seriously. You and I need to make sure that we are following what God would have us to do. And as I said, I hope this has been encouraging to you. I apologize again for Leah not being with me. I I hope that just having to listen to me for the last 20 minutes or so hasn't hurt your ears or caused you just to be totally bored. I know you miss her. I know I miss her uh, being with me on the program. Next week will be one of our shorter uh, devotional podcasts, and then we will uh, move to the month of April with a different theme, and we're excited about that and sharing that with you in the month of April. We hope that you have enjoyed uh, the program this week. May I remind you to check out the show notes for this episode where we list all the things that we have we have talked about. That is found at fawnfamily.com slash 23, fawnfamily.com slash 23. If you have questions or comments about the program, you can contact us at fawnlegacy at gmail.com, fawnlegacy at gmail.com. Remember, until next time, your family can go to heaven. Just make sure you go there together. Mm-hmm.